Welcome back to God's the Ghost Volleyball. I'm your host, Scott Bemke. We're going to pick things up here with part four of our interview with UCLA men's volleyball coach, Al Skates. Enjoy. Now, you've had some great moments and accomplishments over your 50-year coaching career, Coach Skates. Um, Let's talk about your five greatest moments, accomplishments, um, whatever you want to bring to light here. Uh, when you look back okay. on, on those decades. I don't know what the greatest, but I'm going to tell you about five. I, I, this is when I was head coach of the World University team in Mallorca, Spain in 1999. I'm, uh, I, I get a team. I get three guys from my, my team, UCLA. Two middle blockers, Adam Navy and Tom Stilwell, the captain, and Brandon Taylor-Farrell, the center. Those three guys are going to start every match. We're going to play 10 matches in 11 days. This is 24 teams. And I, and I start working out with these guys. I find out Scott Wong from Pepperdine is the only guy that can pass. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, he's, got to, he's got to play every game also. Now I've got three big outside hitters who can't pass very well. Gabe Gardner and Andy Witt from Stanford, and Clay Stanley from Hawaii. And he, he can't pass very well at all. So three of those guys have to be in because Scott Wong, even though I'm playing him opposite, he can't hit out of the back. So I'm going to have to have Stanley Witt or Gardner hitting out of the back at all times. And I'm going to, depending where they are, I'm going to hit them have them go down the left sideline at the middle of the right sideline. So two of those three guys have got to play. And uh, we're in pool play, and we beat Norway 3-0, Italy 3-2, which is a really good team. These teams are not university teams. They're national teams. Right. We actually sent guys that were in school. And I'm looking at these teams. They... the Italian national team is there. These guys are 32, 29, 28. So there's some kind of scam going on where I guess if they're enrolled in a unit somewhere, or maybe they don't even check, I don't know. Anyway, we're legal, nobody else is. There's no forfeits. So we win our pool, we beat China 3-0, Belgium 3-2. Notice we're winning the 3-2 games. And then we beat Greece 3-0. You know, we're playing good. We side out 84% against China. And we're running this screwy offense that nobody else in the world is running. But I have to run it because I've got to put Scott Wong 
in the middle of the court are, are you know, doing as much passing as he can or in the world of horror, hurt, you know. Um, Clay Stanley has got a, is, is a great server already, still in college, and I found out he comes off the bench hot. He can be ice cold. You can put him in, he comes off, he can hit, and he can serve like he's had an hour warm-up. Now, Andy Whip from Stanford, he's the only guy that can hit really good out of the front end back. And Gardner can block. He, you know, right now, Witten Stanley can't block. You know, later on in their careers, maybe they could, but I'm only working with these guys for like a week. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I, I can't do a lot of improvement, you know. Right. <laughs> they, they are what they are, pretty much. And later on, they, they learn how to do everything. But Whit and, and oddly enough, Gardner and Whit weren't even starting on the Stanford team. There were some conflicts with the coach. I don't know. But anyway, they started on the World University team. So we get we played nine matches, and uh, some we're playing in Spain. Somehow we lose to Spain, which is our only loss to the term in the tournament. And so now we've got to play probably the best team in the tournament, Poland, who also lost to somebody. I mean, you can go five days in a row. And okay, my guys now are exhausted. <laughs> so I start, I, I start completely start the second team against Poland. Well, we're playing real rules. In the United States, we're still playing uh, side-out volleyball, but this, I think, yeah, we are. They're playing uh, like ping-pong scoring. So we, we, we lose the first game 25 to 12. And then I start putting in, oh, I know who beat us. The Russians beat us. Yeah, the Russian national team beat us. So we're playing uh, for sixth place against Poland. Poland, by the way, has their starters in. <laughs> and then I gradually start putting my starters in. Well, I played a regular lineup, a real lineup, just like Poland did. Everybody plays in the world. Everybody uses the same offense and defense right now. I did that. And uh, then I put in my screwy offense where Scott Wong is, is the opposite. Anyway, we beat Poland. And I, I think that was probably the best thing we did. We had a, we had a libero. Um, we didn't use liberos in the United States yet until the next year, until 2000. But um, it was a pretty good tournament. I mean, if you we we finished ahead of some really good teams, so that that's one of them I like. Good stuff. Because of the lineup, that was a that was a different lineup. And I actually used that a little bit at UCLA a few times afterwards. I like uh, in certain situations. So, yeah. Okay, that was one of them. Oh, I'll tell you one. But <laughs> <laughs> I was a young man in college. I got a job in in Culver City, coaching at the parks. Well, you coached Pee Wee's midgets, juniors, and seniors. Did I tell you about this previously? I don't believe you did. So okay. shoot. Pee Wee's are ten and under. 
and midges 12 and under 14 under 16 and so i got a lot of coaching experience i, I coached some flag football baseball track and field and basketball and then on the side i told them how to play volleyball i taught them uh, when i got to the big park vets i i got to put up a volleyball court and so i got to teach to play volleyball a lot of them went on to college and played volleyball from there, even though there was no competition. So we played against the parks, and the team that got to be the champion in Culver City went to L.A. County, Los Angeles County, which there's a lot of counties and a lot of teams who went in this big tournament. So I'm in the finals of the um, L.A. County baseball. I got a bunch of 10-year-olds who were playing hardball. <laughs> years old and uh, we're in the finals against a really good team and they're just blasting my pitcher I either had one pitcher or a 10 year old named Stephen Cutts and they were just banging the heck out of that guy so I didn't have any more pitchers so I looked at my third, first baseman and he was the tallest guy on the team. He was a left-hander. He got a good arm. And uh, I took a timeout. I went over and I told him, okay, you're going to pitch now. He told me, I can't pitch. I've never pitched. I don't want to go in and pitch. I said, you're going to go pitch, son. You'll do great. And uh, <laughs> so I put the pitcher at first base. This kid comes in. He's, he throws the ball right at this kid's head. The kid drops, <laughs> and he missed him. So I go out to the mound. Oh, that's all right, you got this guy, right where you need him. <laughs> anyway, the kid strikes out the side, and we win. And that taught me right there, you know, if I feel I should make a substitute, just do it. And I never had a problem with making substitutes after that with with people some people thought it was strange at the time and uh would remark about it but it seemed like most of them worked it was just the attitude you had when you made the substitution seems to me if you made the player somehow believe that he could do it and the team believed that he could do it it happened so I thought that was a milestone. I could have been a sophomore or a junior. I could look it up because Eddie Machado was on that team. And Eddie became my captain at UCLA. I saw him play basketball when he was 18 at Culver City High School and I recognized him <laughs> seven years later. And I came down the floor and I said, uh, where are you going to college? And he says, I'm going to SC. I said, have you ever played any uh, volleyball? He says, well, I played a little with a guy named Dame Holtzman, who I was actually recruiting. <laughs> well, no, he was already on the team, 769. So anyway, I got Eddie to switch and come to play, and he played on uh, at least two NCAA championships teams. And he was, he was my captain on that baseball team. <laughs> anyway, that, that, was, that was a couple of them. Now, let's see. Oh, here's a short one. When I was, uh, when I was the head coach at uh, 
the Pan American Games in Cali, Colombia in 1971. I had two good middle blockers, Bill Wardrop, who's deceased now, and Rudy Suara. And we were playing Brazil, and Brazil's always had great teams. In fact, they were the best team in, in the Pan Ams. Previous year, I was a player in the Pan Ams, and we beat Cuba, who was also a very great team. And uh, it was Cuba, Brazil, or us. Canada was pretty good, but not that good. And so I couldn't figure out how to beat Brazil. And they set these fast sets to the outside. And they were running a screwy offense where they had three different setters, but they all set really fast to the outside. It was like they were setting a middle blocker. So the middles could never get there. So all I did is I told Wardrop and Swara, okay, you're in blockers. We're going to have the setter, which I had little setters. You block the middle and just worry about the middle attacker. You can commit on him or whatever you want to do because you're not going to get to the outside anyway. <laughs> so, and if we dig a ball, you'll at least be in the middle. And then we'll have Wardrop or I swear, you just hit on the outside because you're there anyway. And it worked. I think we beat Brazil 3-0. So that was something that I hadn't done before up wow. to that point. So I liked that one. Actually, I never did it again. That would only work against that specific situation. Okay, so. That's three. That, uh, okay, you know that win in Taiwan I already told you about. That, that was kind of special because we'd never played before. Again, more 20,000 people in the audience. That's still the biggest crowd UCLA's ever played against. There was um, that win in Japan was pretty important. Um, I went down to Nippon newspapers in 79. We had just won the NCAA championships. That was our first undefeated team. Sinjin Smith was the captain of that team. Karch was a freshman. We went, uh, I don't know what we did, but I think it was 29-0. And uh, we really had a good team. And so, although Sinjin couldn't actually play on the team that was going to go to Japan, I still brought him along, I think, as an assistant. But anyway, that team was, uh, looking it up, that team went 31-0. Okay, 31-0. That was a seventh NCAA championship we won in eight years, I think. Anyway, something like that. But anyway, I go down to Nippon newspapers and said, we'll give you exclusive rights to cover us in Japan. And we won't talk to anybody else. And, and you can do articles on us and we'll interview with you. And uh, so they said, well, we'll have to get Hold of the president, Mr. Wada, in Japan, and they bought it. And they said, okay, we'll sponsor you. So they're going to fly us over and take care of us. We don't have to spend a dime. And uh, so six months before we left, we got the schedule. And that schedule was adhered to six months later. Everything went off like clockwork. The first night we get in, we play. That was the only bad thing. And we lost to one a college team that wasn't 
supposed to be very good, wasn't it? The champion. So the national team coach, one of the national team coaches, who was going to play us last in Tokyo Arena, went on record, Nippon newspapers, saying that we weren't going to win a set against them. We used to call it games. And we weren't going to win a game against them. That's what he said. And so the next night we win, the next night we win, the next night we beat the champions, we win. Now we get to Tokyo Arena. It is so cold in Tokyo Arena. We're in December, we're playing in December and January, end of December, we're there over the holidays. And uh, we're flying, we're going all over the country, different city. And it turns out that the young ladies know where we're going. And about four or 500 young ladies are boarding trains and showing up in this audience wherever we're playing. And they have pictures of Andrew Smith. Andrew was uh, one of the kids on my team, Sinjin's brother. And I, I guess they've seen him before. Or, or they were all in love with him or something. They were holding up big pictures of Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the so Herb Ritz model. Yeah, I remember the stories. And, uh, and wherever we were. And uh, we get to Osaka, and it is so cold in that gym. The Karch is warming up with mittens on, setting balls with mittens and sweats. They come and put a charcoal heater in front of me with live charcoal. <laughs> Wherever I sit down, they put the heater. <laughs> the attendant puts the heater. So the coaches can keep warm. We're the only ones that warm. The other coach and me. And uh, guess what? We're playing on concrete. <laughs> it's oh, a concrete gosh. floor. And uh, oh my God. And uh, also, the ceiling is this is the highest ceiling I've ever seen. So we get in the game and the Japanese are serving overhand balls, sky balls, hitting it overhand, putting reverse spin on it. So it goes over our net and the spin brings it back towards the net. And we've got to pass it. It is the weirdest thing. And then finally, we just let Saunders and Karch pass all the balls because that, that's it. They'll just pass this ball. Although Karch is setting when he's in the back, so he's not going to do it all the time. Anyway, we're getting, the Japanese are diving all over the concrete floor, and we're not. <laughs> you know, what's funny is, when I was teaching the kids, I would have the fourth graders play four-man volleyball. Um, I just taught the boys. And I'd have them play on a badminton court I'd have a badminton court on the volleyball court on the playground. I had six volleyball courts. And I would adjust it down low. And these kids would start diving for balls on the blacktop. So I know you could do it. I didn't teach them how to dive. I didn't even want them to dive. But they did. They just got into the game. Well, we were not into the game. So we were actually getting beat. And then Karch starts diving on the floor. And pretty soon we're diving on the floor just like it's a normal board floor. In fact, it didn't even hurt them, you know. They just got used to it somehow. Anyway, we wound up beating the Japanese in the big arena. 
and beating the coach who said we wouldn't win one game. Forget about winning the match. We weren't going to win a game. And later I had all those uh, Nippon news were translated into English for me. And, and Japan said this group was going to win the Olympics. And, and they did win the Olympics in 1984. I mean, three of them did. Salmons, Garch, and Saunders. <laughs> so they were right about that part. Hmm. And uh, they were wrong about the coach, though. They said the coach was going to be me. But uh, <laughs> that didn't happen. Mainly because they had no money to pay the coach. But uh, they made a good selection anyway. That they okay. did. Okay. Thank God I took that call. Why? Well, because there was one spot left for Tuesday and Thursday, and the commissioner of my Tuesday, Thursday golf group says, are you playing? There's only one spot left. We only have uh, eight spots. And I said, yeah, but <laughs> he emails, <laughs> you know, Saturday morning, you got to get back fast. <laughs> so I'm in. Okay, good. <laughs> Okay, so I, I put the wrap on um, Tokyo. Oh, yeah, Japanese. Okay, there's two more that stand out. Okay. I can't narrow it down to five. I, I'm going to talk about the 2006 year. Um, this was a very interesting year, and I'll tell you why. We had a my best player at the time was Steve Klosterman. And Steve was uh, used up in club volleyball. I mean, some days he'd have 80 kills. This is when he's in high school. So he comes to us with a very loose shoulder. And um, by 2005, I can actually see the shoulder moving forward. I mean, uh, it looks like something's coming out of its socket. And so we asked our head of orthopedic surgery, Dr. Gerald Feinerman, to do off-season shoulder surgery on Steve immediately after the season. And he didn't want to do it because it's very risky. If you, if, you do, if, you, if you make it too tight, his crew is over. If it's too loose, it's going to come out again. And uh, anyway, he finally consented to do it. I'm worried, Steve needs the best trainer available. So I go to our head trainer, an excellent trainer named Dale Rudd, who's a football trainer. And I asked him how to, if he'd like to be the volleyball trainer. <laughs> and uh, he says, well, I'm the football trainer. I really don't have time to do that. So I said, well, how'd you like to go to Italy for two weeks with the volleyball team? Have you ever been to Italy? And he says, uh, I think I'd like to be the volleyball trainer. So we went him over, and Dale worked on Steve every day. In fact, I told Steve, if he didn't miss an appointment with Dale, he could go to Italy with the team, even though he can't play. So we took both of them to Italy, and he worked on them during the Italian trip. Now I had a bunch of guys, fifth-year seniors on that team, some of them had never started, and I had a bunch of hard workers, though, I'll tell you that. And uh, Klosterman was on a swing count, 
and he could hit uh, when he started 12 balls. That counted spiking and jump serving. And then Dale would be on the bench and take him out. And, uh, you know, this was not going well. So we're 12 and 12, 12 and 12. And we're playing against SC on live television. I remember Karch was there as the analyst. And uh, I call a timeout, we're down. And I said, you know what? We, we gotta turn this match around. We're not gonna make the league playoffs. And we're certainly not gonna make it if we lose this match. Because our league record was, we had a losing league record at the time. Well, somehow, somehow, we, we made it back. And uh, we beat SC. Then my starting setter goes down, Dennis Gonzalez. And uh, he's a senior and just a tremendous player. And so we have to we have to go with our freshman center. And uh, meanwhile, Steve is hitting more and more balls, and we start winning. And uh, so we get in a sudden death situation where we have to win six six matches in a row at the end of the year to win the NCAA championships. And I remember we're down, I'm still going with the backup setter. He's a very good freshman. We're, we're down, and what happens is this. We get, uh, we're at Hawaii, every match is on the road. <laughs> we're at Hawaii, and we lose something like 30-16. And I said, that's it. I put in Dennis Gonzalez, we win the next three. And I get up and, if, and I come back and, and I go to the UCLA staff meeting and I name each team. I stand up at the meeting. Coach has to report on how they're doing and what, where they are. And I tell them the next five teams that we're going to play, where we're going to play them, and I tell them we're going to beat them. I go all the way to, and I name each team. I go all the way to naming the opponent in the NCAA semis and then beating Penn State in the finals at Penn State. And by the time we got to Penn State, Steve Crossman could hit as many balls as we wanted to set him. His shoulder was perfect. And that group of guys who are playing 10 Italian teams, or however many NCAA allowed us to play, got confidence. We, we played teams in Italy guys were making a probably making close to a million dollars we didn't we didn't beat those teams but we we probably went uh, I don't know six and four or something like that and some of those guys that had never even played as a starter believed in themselves but without Klosterman we couldn't do it and we didn't have them in the beginning and uh, those guys went on and just just did it for us. I think we beat Penn State at Penn State three zip. So that has to go down as one of them right there. So okay, I think I got one more of these. And in nineteen seventy four now Denny Klein tells me this was our biggest win, but I'm not counting it as our biggest win. We're in uh, Poly Pavilion 
playing the league championships, and we're playing against uh, USC. Now, we hadn't beaten USC all year. And because they had a guy named Celso Kalachi, an amazing left-hander. He was an Olympian for Brazil in 72. I think he graduated from college already in Brazil when SC uh, got him as a freshman. I'm not sure that. I know he's a professional, one of the good professionals. And um, just an amazing player. We, we can never stop the guy. Not a big player, but a, a tall player, but a tremendous vertical. And... Uh, Later, I got to coach him on one of our Czech Steakhouse teams in the Open that won the championship. Uh, but anyway, uh, we're playing them, and, and they're supposed to beat us. And, uh, you know, I don't know if that's going to happen or not because we've been able to beat them. But Denny Klein makes this dig, one dig that turns everything around. Uh, you know what? Uh, I'm going to reject this. There we go. Sorry. So, Denny Klein, who's, who's uh, a guy I cut as a freshman, and then he came back to start three years for me as a starting middle blocker and was a great assistant coach. I'm glad he came back after I cut him. Actually, he never went away. He became the statistician <laughs> after I cut him. But anyway, then he's playing middle back, and he just... He just told me this story at, at my 80th birthday party. He told me this story again, that this was the biggest win in UCLA history. <laughs> anyway, he says, Bob Leonard, who's our captain, goes up to block Celso, and he hits it cross-court like he always does, but he started moving before he hit it, gets it up in the air, crazy spinning ball, and Mike Norman, who comes over, and actually takes this crazy spinning ball and sets it beautifully with his hands. And then he was sure he was gonna throw it because of the way, way it was going. Well, people went crazy and the audience became very enthused and got behind us and uh, we beat him in five. And he says Galachi was so mad he drop kicked the ball into the upper deck of Poly Pavilion. <laughs> so and then he says that that was our best win because we had beaten uh, Santa Barbara before, and and even though they were a great team. So anyway, we get to the NCAs as the at large team because we've had seven losses. Now it's all sold out, but they they kept a hundred seats for the at large team. <laughs> it only seats 3,000, little Rob Jim. So I get in there, I don't know where the fire marshal is, but there's at least 4,000 people in there because they're sitting on the floor and standing on the floor. And uh, I see our little group they put in the upper deck <laughs> near the roof of the building. And uh, it's so hot in there, it must be 100 degrees because Wide World of Sports is covering it. And they got all the, the lights on, the TV lights. I started into my jacket, and I just, I sweat right out of the jacket. Anyway, um, so on Saturday, with the four seeds, so I think Ball State beat Springfield, I think. And then, oh yeah, we're still doing the round robin thing. And then we, we I, I don't know if we're doing round, round robin or not. 
I don't, I'm not even sure who we, we beat somebody. Okay, then we play Santa Barbara in the finals. And um, Santa Barbara won 15-10, game one, and then we won, I think, 15-8, and they won 15-10, and I think we won the fourth. Anyway, we're in the fifth set, and they're up 5-1. Now, I got this kid named Saban Perkins, and Saban has a broken finger. He's a backup setter, freshman, water polo player out of Miracosta High School, where they have great volleyball also. Yes, But he do. was a better water polo player. So I said, Saban, just go on this other court, take this bucket of balls, you're over there by yourself, serve the bucket, shag the bucket, serve the bucket, shag But that's what you're doing for two hours every day. I might use you as a server. <laughs> well, his serve was pretty damn good. I, I bring him to serve against the first team. So he was ready to serve. He couldn't do anything else because he had a broken finger. Well, his, his ball was breaking. I mean, he would get back as he could, which which in the Rob Jim wasn't that far, maybe 10 feet behind the line, because there was so many people there standing on the court behind the service line. Anyway, he'd get back as far as he could, and that serve was breaking up to 10 feet. So in the fifth game, Danny Klein is serving, I scheduled the serve, and he's scoring pretty well, but we needed some points then because uh, we're down 5-1. So Saban comes in, Saban comes in, and he gets four straight points, including two aces. So Rudy Suarez, the coach, signals for substitution, but he doesn't say who's coming out. Two of their best passers start to run off the court. That's when I said, we got these guys. Nobody wants to be there when Saban's serving. Well, anyway, he got another point, and we went on to win 15-12. Now, some interesting things happened that I remember quite clearly. Uh, one, Mike Norman puts the ball away with his left hand and then starts shouting and running around the court, circling our side of the court twice, pointing to his left flexed bicep. <laughs> now, the 2,800 Santa Barbara fans didn't like that. <laughs> so the more they booed Norman, the better he played. So he, oh, and then Mike got a little stressed up. I remember this. During one of the matches we were losing, and he needed to vent. I could see he needed to vent. And for the only time in the history of UCLA volleyball, 50 years that I was coaching, I let a player come in and yell at all the other players for two minutes, or whatever the TV timeout was. And Mike felt much better after that. And the other players, they understood it. And uh, he played, helped Mike's game, and uh, helped him be able to function on the court. And all worked out. Now, Bob Leonard got the MVP, and uh, I actually thought Mike should have gotten the MVP. I thought he was, in that particular match, I thought he was the best player on both teams during that match. Now, now Rudy did all right because he took the team to the USA Collegiate Championships. I didn't even know you could still do that because we had a separate NCAA championship, and he won that in one of those years. 
you still win a collegiate championship there. So that wraps up the exciting ones, great wins, and they're not in any order, believe me. Yeah. Now that was that a block Norman had, or was that just like an overpass that he hit left-handed straight down or down? No, like that, that was a hit. That was. And a that strike. did that end the match too, if I memory serves. Oh me? no, no. That was just no, a play no, during no, the match, and he no. ran around the court. I, I saw no, video no, no, footage of that. The There's there was some. A lot. Yeah, there was just a little stoppage <laughs> to let him run around the court. He <laughs> is a real piece of work, isn't he? Well, you know what? He kept the team energized. You know, I was I Mingus know the other setter on that team. Me, but uh, I'm sure glad he came to UCLA. I'll tell you that. Was Mingus your he other only setter? Had two with... years. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Was uh, Mingus your other setter along with uh, was it Denny Klein? No, Denny. Denny's a middle blocker. Or he was your um, middle, and Mingus was your setter. Then is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's correct. Yeah, a, uh, Mike was an outside hitter, uh, Bobby Leonard. Chris Irvin uh, was a middle blocker, 6'1 middle blocker. <laughs> and uh, Denny, Denny could have been 6'4 possibly, uh, maybe 6'3, I don't know, something like that. But uh, Denny, interest, he, he started on three NCAA championships which was pretty amazing because uh, I cut him the first year. That shows you how much I know. <laughs> did you? But he wouldn't go away. Like I said, he stuck around. Um, did so, you ever hear something about a, a water balloon f- uh, fight between some of the SC guys and your Bruins and uh, one of the SC players' hands got slammed in the door and uh, maybe uh, it didn't necessarily help them out at all when you battled against them do you recall anything about that story no no the, the only starter I left out by the way was a, a John Beacons John Beacons started on that team with Jim Mingus as the setter and then John set a 5-1 the next year but uh, that was the starting the whole starting lineup on that you know the 2006 starting lineup I gotta tell you I told you the story earlier the freshman setter that came in set so well was, was Matt Wade. And he would have, if he, I wouldn't have put in Dennis Gonzalez to see Puerto Rico if we kept winning. But that 30-16 blowout scared me against Hawaii. So this team was, I'm, I'm going to go through this 2016 a little bit. We had a guy named David Russell who didn't even know what he wanted to do major in as a junior at UCLA when in 2005 I says David you gotta you gotta take away your mind is not, take a season off your mind's not on volleyball during breaks he was looking at his books trying to study I think his dad wanted him to be an engineer and he didn't want to he wasn't doing well and he came back and and they, we couldn't have won without him the guy one of the starters fifth year starter who didn't start before was Nick Sheftick and, and he kept growing. He came in at six nine. He topped out at seven feet. And uh, finally, his coordination caught up with him. And when he went to Italy, he, my God, he started believing in himself. I had a great captain, Damian Scott, on that team. Just worked hard and hit the weight room. Paul, a left-hander, outside hitter, and Steve Klosterman. And I just wanted to give those guys their due. This concludes part four of our interview with Coach Skates. 
Thanks for tuning in. As a reminder, our podcasts are also available on Apple Podcasts, and you can subscribe to the Gods to Ghosts Volleyball podcast channel. That way you'll be notified whenever we release new podcasts moving forward immediately. Also, there's a place there in Apple Podcasts to rate us between one and five stars. If you're enjoying the content, any rating you can provide would be much appreciated. (laughs) 